1: what is up everybody welcome back to episode four of the schmo zone i'm dave schmolenson aka the schmo i'm being joined by
0: helen esports
1: more emphasis
0: yeah well my mom actually um yesterday she had a little talk with me she's like helen where's your energy come on so kind of got called out by my mom so i'm trying to uh you know make her proud today
1: Mother knows best, as they say. That's very true.
0: Yeah, mother knows best. And this past week or weekend, we were very busy with Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. That fight that happened, uh, it was super crazy. And even today, I mean, or yesterday, what Deontay said uh, to, I believe, Yahoo Sports about Um, his 40-pound costume kind of weakening his legs. I mean, all this stuff, it's so crazy. I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts on everything is.
1: You just went right into it right there, talking about Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury 2, referencing our friend over at Yahoo Sports, Kevin Ioli. Yes. You're talking about the 40-plus-pound costume that Deontay Wilder entered the MGM Grand Garden Arena walking in with. Uh, yeah, pretty bizarre excuse. I guess he tried it on the night before. And um, look, at the end of the day, the better man won that night. And Tyson Fury didn't just outbox him. You know, he, he outmanned him. I love both those guys to death. They are phenomenal fighters. Love interviewing both of them. You know this. Love Deontay. They love me too. They can't, I can't wait for the trilogy. They will have that trilogy match. I know they'll have that trilogy match, but... The better man won Saturday evening. Gotta tip your cap. Off to the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury.
0: Now, when you mentioned the excuse that he made, obviously the costume, everyone's kind of talking about that right now, which, I mean, I was A, really surprised that he ended up blaming it on him. And I just want to say on the side, I have so much respect for, obviously, both Deontay and Tyson. But I mean, when I first heard that excuse, I'm like, really? Like, is this real... 40 pounds, if it was maybe 400 pounds, I'd be like damn like okay, but a 40 pound and in their first fight
1: Deontay weighed 212 pounds. He put on 19 pounds for the second fight weighing over 230 pounds Tyson Ferry put on 17 pounds What people don't realize is, when I look at Deontay, it's, you know, he might have been a little bit more top-heavy. You know, he didn't have the same legs as he normally does, and he generates that punching power from his legs, which a lot of people don't realize. They just think, you know, he's got this unbelievable wild punch. You know, he doesn't have strong legs. No, he gets that punching power from those legs, and he unloads, and he's got that most lethal right hand. I've seen, and look, Tyson Ferry, got to tip your cap off to him. You know, he out-bullied the bully. He went right in there from the onset of the first bell, met him in the middle of the ring, and he would not let off of the pressure. By the second round, you saw how weak Deontay Wilder was, those knockdowns, uh, the knockdown in the third round. It was a Tyson Ferry that I didn't expect. You know, what he did with Tom Schwartz when he missed like four or five shots in a row, the way he can move at heavyweight, his footwork second to none— That Tyson Fury that we saw Saturday evening, it's just the best pound for pound or eh, pound for pound Lomachenko, but best heavyweight boxer in the world. Tyson Fury left no question.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, and a lot of people are saying in regards to their trilogy, I guess, I mean, it's kind of safe to say now, but a lot of people are saying they're not as interested in it because they felt that, in the first fight that Tyson was winning, obviously, most of that fight as well. And then this fight, I mean, I thought he, like what you said, dominated from start to finish. Um, but I was just surprised now, kind of circling back to that costume, because afterwards his trainer, JD's, in the post-fight press conference, he was saying that the cut in his ear um, may have caused you know, his equilibrium to be off balance, so I was just surprised that Deontay resorted to talking more about the costume than anything else.
1: Yeah, and then you mentioned the uh assistant trainer, the other head coach on the team, Mark Breland, the Olympic gold medalist, the nineteen eighty four Olympics, the welterweight, uh throwing champion uh champion or Olympic medalist. Yeah. Throwing in the towel for Deontay Walder, no longer being on his team afterwards. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people are thinking that it actually saved Deontay Wilder. It saved saved a lot of part of his life. I mean, he was taking a beating.
0: Absolutely, and especially we're coming off of 2019 where there's so many unfortunate boxing tragedies. The Maxime Dadashev, the Patrick Days, I mean... For me, it's like it's better to be safe than sorry. It's better to be safe. And now he can exercise that rematch clause and do that trilogy with Tyson Fury rather than why take the extra brain damage. The fight wasn't even close at all. And, you know, so I I think what Mark did, like what you said, saved him.
1: The trilogy does need to happen. Yes, uh, Deontay Wilder. The first fight was totally being outboxed, but in his last match against Luis Ortiz, he wasn't really winning any round until that right hand landed, and it was lights out. You definitely got to give the champ, the former WBC champion. There's a rematch clause. That's how boxing works, right? There was in it. He had the clause in there for a reason. You got to give him a chance. They got to do it. I mean, if Joshua did not lose to Andy Ruiz and he was that undefeated fighter, I would say right off the bat, oh, he's got to go fight Anthony Joshua. But then, again, that's probably going to be in the U.K. Two British fighters we wouldn't see here in America. They wouldn't do it over here. Um, so I think the best fight for the fight fans is to have that rematch, that trilogy. That wouldn't be rematch. It would be the third fight. So
0: Yeah, and then meanwhile, I know Anthony Joshua has that fight against kubrat puliv so that should be according to some um you know outlets it should be in june i believe
1: yeah kubrat puliv another guy that the schmo went in there with and took a few he, shots yeah body shots from him
0: he hits hard yeah huh? he
1: beat the crap out of me when we did that a few months ago
0: yeah that was hard to watch i had to like jump in there and almost beg him to stop
1: it's all good no you didn't don't don't lie <laughs> you didn't bet it was, it was for, the camera, for the camera for the camera we do You're have okay, a loaded though. show today, too, by the way, because in studio, we're going to have Diego Sanchez, yes. the OG, the UFC legend, the Hall of Famer. That was in the schmo voice.
0: I know. I, I was going to say Hall of Famer, but you topped everything. And of course, his head coach, his trainer, um, Joshua Fabia, School of Self-Awareness. So I'm really excited to talk to them about everything.
1: Having them in studio both together, you know, we're a week and a half away from Rio Rancho, where he had that victory against Michael Pereira. I Hope I said that right with my Spanish. Um, I cannot wait to talk to these guys. I know they've, you know, been on some podcasts, but no one's had them together sitting down since to talk about... What's going on? Everyone's got their takes. You know, oh, you shouldn't have done it this way. You should do it this way. Everyone's got their pitchforks out for what's the proper way of winning in MMA, coaching in MMA. Well, there's no better way than having the two actual human beings here in studio to discuss it. We're going to kick it to them. But uh, let's just fully come to circle with this Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury. Because I did put together a compilation of the best moments of Tyson Fury. Over the past couple of years of interviewing him.
0: And one of my favorites, which the audience will be able to see uh, or listen to, is after his fight and his win, he did sing uh, Don McLean's American Pie, which the whole arena. I mean, it was really cool. I posted it on my Twitter. Everyone was singing it, but he actually sang it with you first.
1: Well, I brought that up. I've been watching him. He does that after his post-fight victory celebrations, you know, all like the past few fights, all the top rank executives jump inside the ring. You got Bob Arum on the mic singing. He's pretty entertaining to listen to 88-year-old Bob Arum on the mic. Still kicking.
0: Yeah, but the fans, I mean, let's kick it to uh, that compilation because they'll get to hear your singing as well.
1: We will kick it to it in just one second because I do want to tell The fans, the behind the scenes of kind of why I put this together, we put this together. Um, What's so great about Tyson Fury is he's such a big, strong advocate for mental health. He's faced so much adversity. The guy weighed, what, way over 400 pounds. You know, at his lowest of lows a few years back. Suicidal thoughts. No one thought after he got to those lows, after becoming the lineal heavyweight champion, beating Klitschko in Klitschko's home country— that uh, he kind of fell off the map. You know, He's if you haven't listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast, you have to. It's actually phenomenal. Uh, Tyson Fury, larger than life, one of my favorite athletes I've ever interviewed, along with Deontay Wilder, very charismatic individuals, and getting Tyson Fury to open up about that side of things and uh, talking about the fun stuff I do is the schmo, it, just getting the whole wide range. We put together something, three minutes. It's really fun. You got to check it out.
0: Yeah, you definitely get the best out of him. And I have to say, too, I loved his walkout. I know some people may have said it was a bit too long when he was carried out wearing the crown kind of as the king. But I enjoyed it.
1: He is the gypsy king. Uh, Let's play it. Go ahead, Travis. Prediction. KO!
2: This is the Schmo with the Pro, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world.
1: Mr. Seven times a day, one press conference
2: wasn't enough. You needed the Schmo here for a second. Here at the MGM Grand, how we doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm here at the MGM Grand with the Schmo. I'm the Pro, and we're going down big. This is the year of wake up and smell the competition. The year of the cyber athlete. You come over here to the U.S. of A. and then within a year's time, you get the two media conglomerates, ESPN and Fox Sports, doing a co-promotion. What's that have to say about the power of the Gypsy King brand? The Gypsy King brand has taken over America. It's lighting it all up. We're taking it back old school, and who knows if even picked up an American accent. We call that taking shmover, Gypsy King. Yeah. Bob Arum, he's outspoken. He's comparing you to the all-time greats, the George Foremans, the Muhammad Ali's. How does that make you feel, Gypsy King? It makes me feel like a great, you know. And I'm just happy to be here in Las Vegas. What's your one message for Deontay Wilder right about now? Kiss my ass, Deontay Wilder. What does the word awesome mean, Gypsy King? It means... Deontay Wilder. That's what it means. DOSA means Deontay Wilder in my language. When I beat Deontay Wilder, February 22nd, the lineal champion claims his stake at the top of the division. Number one. Number uno. Uno. Yeah. They said you couldn't speak Spanish. They're liars. Timmy, go-to song on karaoke is what? Timmy's go-to song is definitely American Pie, isn't it, Timmy? Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Continue. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And good old boys were drinking risky and rye, singing, this will be the day that I die. What? Well, I want him inside an octagon. Gonna do both, maybe two fight deal. No, just one. One will do. It's important to know that. If I can come back from being as low as any man can go, contemplating suicide on a daily basis, then so can you. Anybody can come back. It's not what we go through in life, but it's how we come back from it. And, you know, my message is to the world, anybody can come back from anything. And anybody who's suffering out there with anxiety, depression, mental health problems, that you can overcome it and things will get better. Because I'm living proof that it it can happen. Keep going. Never give up. Never say die. Remember, God loves us all. We're out! Yeah! (laughs) Do the mic drop. Mic drop. I
1: couldn't let him break the mic right there.
0: I know. And I was, like, standing behind the scenes nervous. Like, please don't drop it. That was the new mic.
1: Yeah. Well, he didn't break it. But uh, great times. More great times to come. Now in studio, we have our guests for the day. We have... The legend, Diego Sanchez. And we have Joshua Fabia right in studio. Guys, pleasure. Thanks for taking the time and sitting down here into the schmo zone.
3: Thanks for hey. having us.
4: <laughs> yeah, Dave, Helen, really appreciate your time and your energy. The invite, everything. Thank you.
3: And thank you. And let's do this. How excited are you for a fury? Like... I know you have got to be close because the, the guy like loves you, so you got to be pumped on that fight, right? Very pumped on that fight. I know I... you. I know you got to be biased, but but like, come <laughs> on, like that's your boy. Right? He's, well,
1: so is Deontay though. Yeah. Deontay and I have such a great rep too. It's 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 like I didn't want to see anyone lose, but mm-hmm. obviously I didn't want to see another tie. I knew someone was going to lose, and uh, you know I just wanted those guys to come out healthy and to have a clear winner. You know. Who would be the better man Saturday evening and we saw it Tyson Ferry deserved
3: it? Yeah Yeah, you guys you guys talk about all the damage that he was taking and I'm like those are boxing gloves <laughs> like I'm like I think I I think I took a, a knee that was Didn't have no pad on it or even any <laughs> muscle on it or anything. It was just a bone <laughs> I took a bone to bone. Yeah, Listen, I'm glad you heard that, and I purposely wasn't
1: looking your way. You were backstage in studio while I was talking about it. I don't think there's a UFC fighter that's taken more shots to the head than you, Diego. You've been in this game longer than everyone. The Ultimate Fighter season one, going back at it. We well, don't.
3: Well, well, don't don't take it away from BJ. He still BJ still <laughs> got that that award on me. He does, but
1: Dana doesn't want to see him fight again. Dana's not, I, are we going to see him have another UFC fight? I know we're going to see you fight again in the UFC, but I don't know if we're going to see BJ Penn fight again in the UFC. That's unclear right now.
3: Yeah, a lot of things are unclear, and um, I wish that that they'd give him another fight because I'll go out on on the record right now, and, and for my friend, you know, who people were like, Oh, he's just being a drunk and and fighting in bars. And, and, and that was not the case at all. He, he, he got into an engagement with one of his good friends. Who's a huge guy, you know, walks around like 220. Big Hawaiian guy. Got drunk. It was his friend. BJ was in, engaging in... in Go ahead and hit me, you know. Like, what you gonna do? Hit me, you know. This is like, you know, Hawaiian pride stuff, like between friends and 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 homeboy. Freaking cracked him with the overhand right, like from hell, like freaking. It doesn't matter who you are. You get hit with that two hundred and twenty pounds of solid mass with rotation and power. Like BJ wasn't ready for it. The guy, the guy took it. It, it put him down. DJ by the time he popped up and realized what happened, probably had a concussion. but it, it, when you're from the island or when you're from the streets of Albuquerque, New Mexico, like and one of your homeboys done does you dirty and and, and does you dirty and he's your homeboy. So this is not like oh, I'm gonna sue you. I'm gonna sue you. no, this is your homeboy and he done dirty you did you dirty? And, and you know, on, on your own school, on your own turf, like like and you a legend, you done proved your 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 legendary you the ex champ, you know, like you are the king of the fu- king of the islands and, and, and when your homeboys did you like this? Trust me. Yeah, when you get back up they're gonna be like, Are you okay? And they, they take him, okay, yeah, what what the BJ's in the back. What the, what the fuck just happened? Like, oh yeah, you know, homeboy, um, homeboy, got you with the cheap shot, man, fucking knocked you out, like, you, you don't understand, like, the type of level of pride that, in someone like BJ Penn, from the islands, you know, like, we are from a, a different era, when, when there was still real street fighting, there was still, um, Real shit in real life going on, you know. Not for not for MMA, man. Just cause, cause you, you grew up on an island, you grew up in, in in a rough area. You're gonna have to fight, you know, because that's how that's how that's how I think most fighters start. But as far as BJ Penn going, I I you know I had to go on the record and be like, they should give him one more fight. If he wants one more fight, you know, I think they should give him one more fight. I know a lot of other people will be like, oh, no, no, no. He's done everything he can. He, he's, he's, he's given it all. He's, he's a legend. He doesn't need to take no more damage. But if it's in this man's heart and he's earned his way to that place in his life and in his purpose, on his mission, and to take it from him because of what happened in that, in the bar fight, I, I think it's just a, a a low blow, shady move to by by, by Dana White and the UFC to just you know sweep him out. You know they don't they don't you know oh you didn't earn you didn't earn your right to go out on your own on your own terms. You know you get one one more chance, and they were basically already at that terms of of the relationship where it was basically this was gonna be like the last fight.
1: Yeah, I I, I th- want you know best. You know fighters know best. Who am I, or who is anyone in the media or a fan to tell a fighter, hey, you can't fight no more? He's a man. He's been doing this long enough. He should decide when he wants to stop fighting. And if the UFC just pulls the plug on him, and that's, that's the UFC. There's other organizations, but he's a legend. He's done everything. That's the,
3: that's the, that's the, thing though, right? Like, okay, you, you realize the man's age. Um, it doesn't take a lot to Google that, you know, but like, like. It's, it's probably his last fight. You know what I mean? Like, let the dude do it. Let him do him. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm hurt for him. You know, because I, I love BJ. He's my, he's my homie. You know, if he, if, if you don't think he got the value and you don't want to see him get punished, okay. Well then, let him go do himself somewhere else. You know, maybe yes. he fights on the other side of the planet for Asia or something. You know yeah, what I mean?
0: They got money. But who do you want to see him fight though? Is there anyone? I
3: don't. I don't care. All, all I, all I, all I, all I wish for BJ is that he has his chance and his terms, to to do to finish, in his way, not because of anything that happened out in in a street fight. On An island with with people just getting you know drinking too much and making mistakes like come on like this happens to To most people Darren Till was freaking I think he stole a taxi cab You yeah, know like yeah. like give BJ the legend a, a break. Like That's all I'm saying But what, what
1: I was going into is that you've been around for such a long time the guys that were on that season of ultimate fighter you know the the Stefan Bonner's the Kevin Florians, the Josh checks They're no longer active fighters in the UFC, but you're still an active fighter in the UFC. We have your head man right here, head coach, Joshua Fabia, in studio. You know, a couple of weeks ago, UFC Rio Rancho, everyone's making controversy out of the disqualification from your opponent, you know, taking that illegal shot and then choosing not to continue when, obviously, rules of sport. You're the winner. You don't continue You win. He's the one who broke the rules We're here to make this an open forum and
3: just to have a great conversation with you guys Yeah, well, I'll let I want to introduce my man Yeah, the manager the trainer strength and conditioning coach nutritionist uh, massage therapist physical therapist um, mind mental meditation coach um, mentor uh, you know, in uh school of self-awareness and um, has um, helped me in becoming aware of a lot of things and um, just working on being the, the best Diego. So I'll let him come in on it because he's a, he's, a, he's a better speaker than me. But, yeah, man, it's getting better for being, you know, 38 and feeling great, you know,
4: like. And the, and the second most head strikes in the UFC. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty, but, pretty good compared to a year ago.
3: But Dave, but Dave thought it was the number one. Who is number one?
4: <laughs> it's BJ. It was BJ? Yeah, yeah.
3: it's BJ. But <clears throat> I think he only got me by, like, maybe about, maybe 50 punches, probably, after last. So I, yeah. They took three, but, three but punches. <laughs> yeah.
4: So, <clears throat> on the subject, on the, um, the scandalous dramas and the media and the... Uh, astro turfing, the witch hunting, the sidelining, gaslighting, you know, all those nice beautiful key terms. Um, Don't we get bullying. Yeah, we could, we could definitely talk about bullying, but everybody thinks I'm crying. Yeah, so no, that's true. so we won't we won't that's go true. there that's with true. it because clearly nobody wants to talk about the sensitive subjects of the sport, right? Like the injuries, like the careers and the life after fighting, right? Let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about we want to see Diego look like Diego after a fight. And that guy, if you pull up any of those pictures, that guy looks pretty bad, whether he wins or loses. Now, all of a sudden, at 38 years old, the man has wisened up to realize probably not going to be a good idea. My face can only take so much. Josh has already invested a lot of time and energy into healing his face, the scar tissue. As you can see, those 500 stitches and those lines and marks in his face, you can probably see less than a tenth of it now. And if we were to look at pictures from a year ago, you can see 60, 70, 80% of them. So Diego has come to the realization that the way he was fighting before it worked for a moment in time. Absolutely. In the beginning of the sport, when certain levels of athleticism and understanding of the sport were not as evolved as they are at this moment. So again, a lot of these critics talking about things that they know about from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years years ago, ago. you're talking, you're not in there playing with these young men. And you're definitely not able to keep up with them. So what you're speaking about is what we would refer to as a moot point. It doesn't really matter, man. And um, this thing where Diego realizes that this is not the best idea to keep rushing in straight into punches and just take them to get in close enough to grab a guy. Um, Nobody wants to respect that decision and is expecting Diego to do what... Diego does. And that's kind of the big issue in one way, right? The masses and the public were shown uh, video and depiction of Diego, you know, 15 years ago. 15 years ago when the sport was something else, Diego was a, the 25-year-old fast athlete. You know, like things are different. And nobody wants to say, wow, he's still here. He's keeping up with them. And in these last three fights, including this best performance in the last 10 years, the first fight that I am involved with Diego Mm -hmm. and all you, you know, people out there that think I'm after his money. Tell me how I'm after his money when I one and a half times his income and less in the first 10 days of, of working with him. I think you might want to recognize there's value there. And considering I never asked Diego for a contract. I never asked him to be his manager. I never asked to do any of this. I never asked to be in the MMA world. And instead of being seen as a person who is able to step into this space cold, no background, keep up and actually help, do something, you know, I don't know. What are they what do they call that? Uh pioneering, right? They 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 say uh, you're changing, game-changing, right? All these things. How come nobody said that out loud? And and this is, this is again, within the context of the fight, um, when everybody's looking for him to end up bloody and there's no blood, when people are then seeing blood and it's a disqualification, they're not happy.
0: But you know how um, you said that you never asked to kind of be in the MMA world. Now, Diego, what was it about Joshua that when you, you know, first met him that you have so much trust and faith in him to make him, you know, like your head coach, nutritionist, uh, massage therapist, etc.?
3: Well, that's really easy. If you really, truly think about it and break it down, I look at it like this. All right. You have to have humility to, um, be adaptive in life all right you have to humble yourself no matter who you are all right this happened to me in in, in wrestling season when i was in high school i went uh, 19 matches in a row when i finally made it to varsity i went 19 matches in a row and uh, and lost every single one i barely won two matches and got my letterman jacket and you achieved the achieved the goal but was I able to adapt? Yes, but I had to go through the humbling. Right. So in my career, the the defeats and the the failures that have um, humbled me have given me a sense of of natural awareness and intuition. And um, I think that intuition is something that has been um, not. not energized in today's times with the um, reliance on technology for everything and so people have lost connection with this inner gut feeling intuition that is a thing and um, if anybody's ever experienced it and most people have you'll know that this intuition that you that you experience can be so strong at times to where you can't eat you don't want to put nothing in your stomach you know nothing stomach. Oh, my stomach feels. you know oh, oh, oh you know life i'm going through life and oh, i just can't really eat you know or you know or you were in a situation and where you were betrayed and you just you 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 felt it like a, a knife in your back you know it just, it, there's many ways to interpret it for me you know it's a gut feeling Well, when it came to me and Joshua, it's as simple as this. Joshua was on another level. I was this great fighter, you know, legendary, you know, legend, hall of famer. And Joshua was on another level and I was able to understand that, you know, and And because he was on another level in a way that he could do every type of movement way, way, way better than me, you know, Uh, movement, breathing, meditation. And this is even not even just the techniques, you know, we're talking, um, you know, when you in the presence of someone who has a higher frequency than you. That you raise your level, you know, whether it's successful in business, whether it's, you know, you're sitting there with like a very powerful king. You there, There's there's, there's levels to this. And me, with my awareness and where I was at in my life, I got humbled by a small 135-pound 5'2 man. And I went, we were going to 82, 80%. And he put me in a position where he could have snapped my arm. And I am like, okay, I know I'm an OG and I'm a badass scrambler when it comes to wrestling too. And I got in a position where I was locked up and I could have really hurt myself. I was put into a position where I could hurt myself if I move wrong. And and I was checkmate. It was a, It was a clear checkmate. I was like, okay, doesn't take a freaking genius. Everybody's giving me a hard time. Oh, I got manipulated and brainwashed and he he had the thing like that and hypnotized me. Like, no, it's having the awareness to know someone who can help you raise your frequency. You know, you want to dude. come on. It's like, do you want to be wise or do you want to be a fool? Uh oh! i go take a fool card, oh, okay, Like, give me my iPod back so I can go get back to my games and, like, you know.
1: Well, I want to get into a couple of things that I know spectators, a lot of fans, would would jump on. Is you know, at Diego's most recent fight, you know, you are the lone corner man. You know, a lot of traditional martial artists, they have their striking coach, their wrestling coach, their mm-hmm. cutmen and everything. Uh, talk to me about the decision making of being the lone wolf in Diego's corner, and kind of how you saw everything going out that evening.
4: Well, first of all, I think we need to recognize that I'm a little different. Diego's a little different. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, if I'm already doing so many things, Diego feels that it's probably not hard for this guy, since, since he's telling you how much I'm capable of doing, it didn't seem like it was a big deal to ask Josh to carry a stool, a bucket, hold ice, and give counsel under the pressure of an audience and a stage. He knew that I could handle that. That's why. And 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 we never discussed it. It was never some major decision. There's no need for anyone else because they were not there during the camp. I'm doing the oh, whole no, camp no myself.
3: One, no one... Um... Yeah, no one, no one earned the spot, yeah, like, you know, No, like- but hold
4: on, hold on, listen to what he just said, earned the spot. Has nothing to do with earned the spot. Do you need to occupy space yeah. in that moment when only one person can speak at a time, and why do we need to distract this person and add pressure? And I don't know if you're able to see what's going on in a ring there, but the UFC provides the cut man, okay? So now we already have other people floating around. You got camera guys all up in your face. We really need an extra two guys. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you right now. I'm just gonna tell you right now. Is this, this is gonna give you the sum up of why we don't do this. Neither one of you are fighters. I just want you to relax and stay right there. Watch what happens. How do you feel? You feel good? You feel like you can you're gonna feel good about performing? None of this feels good. Does this feel good? It's pressure and there's no need for that. And that's kind of the point. Is it's a moment to collect the person, bring them back to focus, and give them a direction and allow them to feel confident, confident in making that next decision. But
3: crea- in, in me making the next in me making the decision. It's my career. I'm the motherfucking fighter. Like, it's my decision. Like, I got to go out there and make those crucial decisions. And if, you know what? If I don't and I mistake, make a mistake, you know what? Oh, man, I'm, I'm a human being. I I, I I miscalculated, you know? It's not the end of the world. And this is,
4: this is another part of that. There's a difference in mentality and the way that we've been working in entirety of the whole training and the, and the style, the philosophy. It's called school of self-awareness. There's not going to be somebody always there to whisper in your ear and give you that, that little thing, okay? So you're going to need to, in that moment, in front of everybody, trust yourself. And on top of it, on top of it, let's just get real because I love how everybody wants me to give him the advice so that he fails and I get to take the blame. Now, every single one of you coaches that have had a fighter get knocked out, Have any of you accepted responsibility or liability for that? Has anybody came at you that you were at fault for that when you have been the one guiding them into that situation? And this is my point is everybody's trying to act like it's your call to make. You're a coach. He's the fighter. It's not my call to make, man. And and if I can see what people are talking about, absolutely, in the sense of, oh, you're your eyes shut and, and you're dizzy and you're, and, you, and you're having a hard time, somebody might need to remind you, hey, get your hand up, throw the jab three times and yeah, jump in. Exactly. That might happen in that state. But when I keep going in, every time I've cornered, I don't see any damage on this man where I'm needing to say, this is immediate, you need to do this, otherwise absolutely more of this damage is going to happen. Nowhere near has any of that moment been.
1: Yeah, I, guess, I guess where people come into is like, you know, icing behind the neck or just certain areas um, and also giving the advice as well. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different tasks all at the same time that helps with another set of eyes, ears, and hands and
4: absolutely just from another human absolutely. Being, being there. But again, it's that way because it's been done that way from the beginning. Not one person had to be aware of all of it. So because you compartmentalized, because you did that, That's why you're only seeing it the way you want to see it. The wrestling guy's looking at the wrestling. The boxing guy's looking at the boxing. This guy's... Well, where's the guy looking at all of it? So like a football coach that has the guys on the ground calling in the plays, notice there's a head coach up in the crow's nest seeing the whole thing. And and nobody's really recognizing, man, that's kind of like a little impressive. This guy who has no experience in this game came in and is able not only to handle this pressure... We don't see him shaking, we don't see him bringing Diego down, we don't see him messing Diego's focus up, but nobody said that.
1: You brought up uh, Jackson Wink MMA, Greg Jackson, Mm -hmm. you know, Diego you spent a long time training there, what was the transition like going to work with Josh and leaving that gym, how did that all come about? And that decision-making I, process.
4: I, I think all that's kind of been covered, but I think what you're really wanting to know is what is the difference in the training? That's wow. what everybody kind of really wants to know those specifics. The, I've,
3: I've said this before, but, yeah. you know, this was the first time in my life that I, I, I truly had been trained. Yes, I had some training from some Brazilians that taught me jujitsu. Yes, I've had some guys who taught me some boxing. You know, I've I've had a little bit of, you know, what I learned in the training room at Jackson Wink, you know. But the first time training with Joshua was a whole other level. It was a whole other level of, of, uh, of uh, a, a plan being strategized in, in a way that I couldn't, in a way better than I could before, in a way that helped me. And um, so once I was able to, to uh,
4: notice and be aware of that, Give them, give them an example of, of a training day. Tell them, tell them what happens in the morning. Tell them about what happens at the end of it. What, what, give them an example of what's happening in this three-hour session with 100% attention given to you, 100% support, 100% documentation.
3: So, like, I, like I, as I've told people before, you know, like, I was getting maybe, like, one or two, you know, 20-minute private. You know, by Greg Jackson, um, a, um, a training camp, maybe once or twice, twice if I was lucky. In eight weeks, and, and, yeah. And so, like, and then as far as myths go, maybe three, four times with Winkle John if I was lucky. You know, and um, so I wasn't really getting training, even when we hold get get together, hold the myths or, or get together and and um, give me a technique, or or oh, you know, I I studied this guy. Let me um. You know, you're going to have to just do this and do that, you know, like little advice, you know, but never had I been trained every single day, you know, with complete focus on me. Um, This starts in the morning, you know, picking me up, taking me to the boxing gym, going through the workouts, trained workouts that are planned, that are fitting to our plan you know encompassing the time period that we've been given to accomplish our task and um just it goes back to all the way dissecting me he completely dissected me and and realized man you know there's a freaking reason why your eyes getting you know your eyes getting lazy you 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 you're taking taking these shots the the way that you're moving the way that your body is is positioned is not in not correct and so when i realized all of these things that could be improved by the person who was showing me okay look you, you need to improve because you can't move
4: like that and and uh, but but hold on am i just saying that or am i proving it to you See, that's the difference. Everybody thinks that I'm just saying it. No, 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 no. I don't ask for your respect. Mm -mm. I will earn it. So here's a man who's thinking that, oh, I I know what I'm doing. My abilities are high. Oh, what are you talking about? My guard's good. And then I slap the shit out of you three times and your face goes down and you're like, okay, I don't know how I got slapped three times. Maybe I don't have a good guard. Maybe what he's saying is absolutely true. Maybe my face is pointed at the ground. Maybe I am acting like an animal, and if I don't go into a rage to win, I don't win. And this might be why I'm beating the shit out of my friends in fucking practice, and why nobody wants to train with me at Jackson Wings. This is why, because that's the way that they're allowing him to have a function space that only you get to win when you go to the level past the other person. But we were just playing, man. We were just sparring.
0: Right. Um, Do you think that as far as the criticism that you feel you're receiving Mm -hmm. and earlier I noticed that you mentioned, you know, obviously not much experience getting into MMA. Do you think that may be a reason that people are just thinking, you know, like his athletic, um, what's his athletic experience and background?
4: Yeah, I mean, anybody can say to me. What is your background? What is your experience my question is what can you do today and i'm 38 years old and if i can do this stuff and i can keep up with people that train all day take supplements have every advantage giving up 30 40 pounds and a foot of height you might think that i might know what i'm doing and the fact that you don't want to see it is why you might be getting humbled why the awareness alone might hurt because you've ignored these lessons and you've been arrogant you uh, see I,
0: uh, oh and I mean, and
4: so so when when somebody's saying what did you do in this field it's also not recognizing this is a specific place created just for that
1: well what's and, interesting to me too is yeah. the fighters obviously even a couple of weeks ago at the PI Still had the wherewithal to listen to you. I know there's that story that came out about Emil Meek talking mm-hmm. about the knife and everything. Absolutely, too, but he still had to agree to get inside the octagon or on the mats with you guys in the not, in the first
4: not, place. Not even ha- agree, sir. He asked. He fucking begged. And that's the thing where it's really insulting to bring Which up just
3: just like Luke Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Too. But hold on, hold on. Exactly. And Ariel. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, all.
4: exactly. But I'm on a media campaign, right? Mm. You see, this is that spin. So here's here's what's happening, okay? We, um, we're training at the PI. Again, interesting that that's not mentioned in the broadcast. It's interesting it's not mentioned in the broadcast that we trained with Tristan Colony, the guy that just beat our opponent. You know, if you say that, it might make me sound like an actually good, nice coach. Might actually sound like I know what I'm doing. Uh, but, you know, when the UFC makes sure not to say that, but yet after the fight, this information comes out, Very interesting. And now hold on. So Emil says, I chased him with a knife and I had him locked in an octagon. But yet I have video proof. The octagon is open. You begged to come train with us. And instead of saying the truth of, hey, yeah, actually, uh, we trained with Diego. We did shark tank with him. Disadvantaged. I was starting out having his back over and over on drills and he was owning me. So his grappling is on point. His conditioning is on point. Judging these weird drills might be because that's what you wanted to talk about. You didn't want to talk about that Diego was manhandling you, and you guys were fresh. He's a wee- a month ahead of you and in in, in in fight time. Like all this shit ain't being said. Just like it's interesting the article about the three anonymous people talking about this this neck crank that i'm uh, putting on the referee and one of the commissioners it's very interesting that comes out now by anonymous people when i can show you there's only six of us so one two the other four people i can show you who they are they're not anonymous so how and why are you putting out this information that's what's really interesting and how and why are you telling me on an article that you not only have the Nevada State Commission so concerned that they're thinking about stopping a fight? Yeah. No, no, hold on. hold they're, they're so concerned. They're thinking about stopping the fight. But here comes Kiesa in an article, and it's just laughable. Now, if it's so fucking laughable, you tell me why the Nevada State Commission is warning your ass about what's going on. Doesn't that sound fishy? Doesn't that sound a little fucked up before a fight? 40 minutes before the fight, you're going to go tell the opponent what's going on. Let's not even mention the shit talk about burning incense. How do you know what I'm doing? How the fuck do you know what I'm doing in my warm-up room? Well, that might be because I'm the only coach, and I'm being pulled out of the fucking warm-up room four times. So that's called leaning on me. Oh, shit. And when Diego's been on Media Week, and for a month talking about how this is my only coach, my only guy pretty fucking obvious what you're doing. Now, again, the article comes out and says something about Q-tips up the nose. Well, that's bullshit. I can show you footage of the video of the commissioner, you know, being in awe and blown away that I have oiled up my finger and I'm using it up his nose to open up his airway because of the stints in his nose are broke. And when the doctors and everybody comes to inspect my hemp oil and my peppermint oil and make a huge deal about it i'm the one looking at the doctor saying what's the problem you don't know how to do this or what and if you don't know how to do this and you're a fucking doctor why are you even back here talking about what fighters need man if you don't know that if somebody's nose is busted up, that you're gonna to need to immediately open up this airway. And it just so happens we're about to perform with a guy that's been training at the UFCPI, the whole camp, to get ready to beat Diego. And I'm not allowed to open up his airway. And see, this is what I mean is so I open up his airway, there's a problem. I'm blessing the space with incense, but nobody realizes that there's not one holy space that you know of that isn't cleaned with incense. So you go to church and there's incense, you go to temple, there's incense, you go everywhere there's incense, but the man is about ready to put himself in potential danger and we're about to pray and clean the space and this is now religious and we are from New Mexico, one of the only states to allow Native American indigenous religious practice and now my religious rights are being infringed upon and, and Michael Chiesa gets to know about it because it's that big of a deal. What I'm doing in our room for Diego, you need to know about. Nobody's talking about that shit. It's
1: like being a zebra in a field of horses because it stands out. It's different. You know, I but, think it's easier for people to talk about what's different because it's not the norm of what's typically going on. Absolutely. In MMA culture.
4: Absolutely. But let's talk about this. Uriah Faber is coaching the young Chinese fighter. I can't think of his name. He actually won right before Diego went out. And, uh... Uriah was there and the Chinese um, interpreter and coach, I think, or, or, you know, both the Chinese men saw what I was doing, not a flinch, not a hesitation. So it has to do with culture, has to do with a lot of people not allowing people to just be. And we're already being herded, controlled, leaned on, managed. We already got somebody sitting in the room. We got a commissioner. We got somebody has got to watch him piss before the fight. Like, Jesus, we can't even pray. But whoa, whoa. but if I prayed the way you want me to pray. There's no problem.
1: But have you noticed a difference though from state to state with different athletic commissions allowing certain things that goes on in dressing rooms and before fights versus other ones? I, like you I mean, fought Diego in so many would different know. states. No,
4: I wouldn't.
3: Well, you know, it's it's different everywhere you go. Like it's like something I place, think that's
1: an issue. Some too. places
3: some places are, are but but this is this is this is not anything that it's like, oh well we had to learn we had to learn that, that, that religion's okay or like you know what I mean? Like that's that's a normal thing like why are you gonna why are you gonna stop us from from burning a little incense like like oh I shut the whole building down well yeah. hold, hold on
4: and this is while wiz khalifa's smoking weed down the hallway but yet <laughs> it's a it's a fucking problem i'm burning some palo santo like are you serious are you serious and yet you got to come in and lean on us Again, disrupting us four or five times before the fight. Yeah,
0: I think kind of like what David said, kind of being like a zebra in horses. But um, I kind of wanted to circle back to, because I had a Mm follow-up question. Um, Just about, you know, when I was talking to you about like the criticism and experience, I was on your website and I noticed that Mm -hmm. it said, um, obviously that you've had years as a successful athlete yourself. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, get to know you more and have you maybe elaborate more on that. So if the fans of yeah, yours yeah, yeah, may absolutely, not know.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in essence, w- the way most people think of sports and the world of participating, you you have the American way of seeing it, man. You have the, okay, you went to grade school, middle school. You play the sports here. You go to the, I mean, this is a feeder system, right? You go from this to this to this to this. You're in college and then maybe pro if you're lucky. Okay. Okay. Um, I've been traveling around the world since I was born. I was on the first kindergarten rugby league in Christchurch, New Zealand. I've participated in martial arts my whole life through actual family tradition of understanding things, like quite a bit different than going to a place and giving them money. I never had to pay for training and I've never been trained in that way. Do you see now what I mean? And so being five foot two, a hundred and nothing, for me to even compete in the Western level of sports, which I did, I played for football for Dewey Sullivan, the most winningest coach in Oregon history, but I'm not a name dropper. I wrestled for Emery Blackwell, one of the best wrestling coaches in Oregon history. But again, he never even wrestled. So you tell me how I know how to teach MMA stuff and not do MMA if I had a wrestling coach. They never wrestled, but produced tons of state champions, tons of badasses. How do you do that? It might be bigger than just the moves. And he might actually groom leadership in the room to allow the athletes to teach. Okay. So, you know, then you do every sport because in my life, I didn't have uh, an easy, good home life to come home to. So all my opportunity to stay out of the house meant I have to play a sport. That is my only option. And if I want to stay out of the house a little longer, we better go to state. We better make it a little bit farther. We better get another two, three weeks out of this thing. That's what I'm praying for, right? So when you've thrown yourself into the situation where you're in team sports, you're in these things, the only thing where uh, size didn't really matter was wrestling. When the time period was that I was wrestling, I was a very, you know, traumatized young person. So, in reality, you know, instead of wrestling the way that I would as a conscious person today, no, man, I was uh, taking out my aggression on people that came into that space because that was an only space I was allowed to let out some real aggression. So, when we're talking about athleticism, and these things, like, yeah, man. Like, it's it's not the same thing to just talk about, oh, I pinned so many people. I did this, I did that. To me, it's, yeah. Obviously, I could have pinned more people if I was just uh, not an angry kid and accidentally break a kid's back at Reno Tournament of Champions because I'm looking to try to get a scholarship and I'm scared I don't want to go home. So is it really fair for me to... Perpetuate more of that in society. Or maybe I'm there's a reason why I'm keeping my mouth shut about real things. Maybe there's a reason why my life is dedicated and showing the light of what I am instead of showing some of that other thing that other people then worship, follow, and continue to do. And so by taking an actual legitimate, responsible decision on what I put out on the internet is why a lot of people are lost. And if you were the one that needed to know what I know and what abilities I have, you would give me time and energy, and I would let you feel and know. And that is what this man gave me, hence why I give him back the only true commodities in life, which is time and energy, and this is why you're seeing the rewards. He, he, you cannot buy this information. It doesn't work that way. It's an investment into yourself. And as you invest in yourself, as like I had to to survive you end up getting different rewards and abilities. So the biggest thing is most people are not working with what they got. Most of us wanna be something we're not. And because of that, we never learn how to deal with what we have. Now, truth, truth, yeah. truth is I'm five foot nothing. I've been about the same size since I was like 12 years old. Now, let's say you're a basketball player and a tall person, right? Yep. Now we're at the same age. But that person's body after 11 years old is continuously growing. So at 11 years old, I'm doing something and the calculation is getting very tight. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm learning that I can do this. I know I can do it. I trust myself. I believe myself. The same kid that's growing constantly through the rest of high school, right? They go to take that basketball shot. Now, one day they've calibrated it. Boom. The next day, you know, next month they grow. The calibration's off. And now we're dealing with a lot of weird issues of self-esteem, fear, anxiety, self-doubt. Now we might understand how I understand a little bit more about it since I've been able to be in my body a little longer than most people. Does that make sense? And that longer period of time in all of these things all around the world, not in one culture, one space, one place, constantly proving who I am, always being somebody in the room, that's how I know who I am.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. No, I appreciate you giving us all the insight and everything with that. Um, I know I could tell, you know, you've been attacked past couple weeks in the media. Gotta let all that out. I do want to end the podcast, though, on next steps for Diego. You know, I know you have more fights in your contract. When can we expect to see you in the octagon again? When do you want to be in the octagon? And coach, when do you want to see him in the octagon again?
3: Woo. Well, <laughs> I feel great, and um, it's uh, it's been a a busy year, busy year, a lot of stuff going on, and uh, to get that pressure just released for a second, you know, it was nice to have a margarita with my coach last night, spend and, time with baby, you, you know, yeah. you know t- just take take a minute, take a minute, and just be like, whew, a breath, all right, okay now um I have um, a couple ribs that were broken in the fight obviously like look i'm <singing> i got that that's my that's my that's my victory dance I still got that w you know, but um so I got a couple broken ribs, but as you can see um I'm doing great we uh opened up the p i this morning got some meditation in the sauna had uh, had my guru working on me walking on me. Um, you know, doing our SOS self-healing
4: on this area, getting, you know. Might, might be the uh, reason why he's moving around so well and looking so well. But let's no, not mention w- w- that. W- w- was that the size of the sc- what? I can't tell on the screen. Like... Yeah, we can't see that scar now. Who took out them stitches? Coach. Oh, that's right. It's just saved him some more money. Saved him some more time. You know yeah, yeah you so t- so save no me, save, def- me good, save me a good couple hours so there. no
1: definite time just take take it easy and then see <clears throat> well, if the offers come yeah in. What,
4: what we what we would like yep. is um tomorrow we have a meeting right we're gonna meet with uh sean shelby and um and talk talk about some of these things that we've been talking about right here and also talk about maya talk about Pettis. talk about guys that are over 30 and within his size range because that's what's right and when you brought up the bj thing i love that you brought it up i just again it amazes me that you want to know who who he should fight maybe it should just be what criteria should it be interesting and that's what i'm saying is maybe it should be a thing of only five year difference and only two inch difference and that's two inch height and reach and also just for you spectators out there that think you know everything those measurements and those reaches that they are showing you are not true because if that was the case Piera said he only had two three inch reach advantage two inch reach advantage and anyone watching that fight knows damn well that was more than three fucking inches so who are we bullshitting and why are we acting like the feats that are happening are not what they are And this is the truth is if you wanted to beat the shit out of Diego so bad and retire him, why fucking sign a new contract? Should have just let us go. And that's the truth. So the situation is now Diego not only deserves a fair fight. There's no reason to fight if it's not because His life doesn't need to be put in jeopardy. He is too valuable. His life after fighting is too valuable. And as someone who has put in the amount of time, energy, and sacrifice for the UFC, I really think he deserves to go out in the light and not be suffocated into the darkness. And we will not go into the darkness quietly.
1: Ride out on that high horse. We really appreciate yes. you guys entering thank the you. Schmo zone. Oh, Joshua man. Fabia, Diego Sanchez, Hello e Sports.
0: Yes, thank you guys.
4: Thank you. Thank
1: you. We're out. Real quick. <laughs>